Glory to his name and for the blood applied, right? I mean, you get up and you come in here and sing those songs this morning. It doesn't matter what the preacher said. We've already worshiped. Is that right? Amen. You're glad you're here this morning? We're going to continue today looking at the foundations of our faith. And uh, here's what I find to be true today in many churches all over the country. When it comes to faith and what we believe in regarding the person of Christ or the Creator God or the Holy Spirit, many Christians really do not know what they believe and therefore can neither stand for or defend their Christian faith, much less live with it. Because we don't have a good understanding of what we believe, we oftentimes end up sharing with a lost world misinformation that requires time and effort to undo rather than being uplifting and true for the hearer of those words. And because we don't have a good place of understanding, we become the stereotype and the caricature that we see on television oftentimes on the news, not really representing the kingdom of God, but representing our own self-interest in society. Discipleship, not a dirty word. Discipleship requires effort on our part. Effort to know more, desire to understand more, and passion to live out more of our faith. And before I go further, let me just don't, I don't want you to be discouraged today by all of the many resources that you hear about. And you get online, and man, there's all the authors and all these books that are published and all the information trying to explain the Word of God to you, and it can be quite overwhelming. But the Bible says in John chapter 14 that the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the fathers will send in my name, Jesus speaking here, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, he said. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So before I start, and the first thing I warmed up with, everybody said, oh man, he makes me feel stupid already and I don't know what we're... Listen, the bottom line of understanding God is believing in God. First, foremost, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, everything. Last week we gave the facts of the Bible. And at the end of that we said, it's your faith though that really turns those facts into something living and alive as scripture tells us. Well, the same thing is true about our relationship with God. It's all that simple. I think God made it that way. The bottom line is understanding God. It's believing in God. He, He created us. We're going to talk about that today. He said, I did this for you. I created you. I gave everything that I created to you. You messed up, and I knew you would. And so I sent my son to die for you on the cross and to provide a way out for you. It's very simple, and yet it's so complicated. It's overwhelming to the mind, and yet it's incredibly easy on the heart. It's it's possible to miss it, but it's impossible to ignore it. Our faith defines us. Our love in that faith lifts us and our hope in a savior sustains us so there's there's the starting blocks of today what we're going to talk about i hope at the end of our time together in this series that we're looking at not only will you have a deeper walk with christ but you'll find yourselves better able to explain your faith the reason for your faith and the hope that you find in your faith jesus stands at the door and knocks We who have seen the light, those in this room that say that they are Christ followers, can point to that light 
and should be pointing to that light for all of the world to see we're like john holding up the gospel of truth and pointing it out john 8 jesus when jesus spoke again to the people he said i am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life you and i have a role to play in the kingdom of god and sharing about god with other people and we must know and we must understand and sometimes defend what we believe not in a warring kind of way but in the face of the opposition and skepticism that the devil is filling this world with as people have run away from the church and looked for meaning and purpose in everything else so today we're going to go back to one of the basic statements of the faith of the early church we're going to look at the apostles creed today and if you grew up in the Methodist church, I married into a Methodist family and for several years attended the Methodist church. My wife's grandfather was a Methodist minister in the Western Conference of Kansas for 50 plus years. And I did not know, I grew up Southern Baptist. And so I didn't go and I didn't, we, I go to church with her, you know, like every, every guy hunting a girl, you know, I, yeah, I'll go to church with you, baby. Sure, let's go to your church. That's just fine with me. Go in there and, 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 and you know, they didn't stand up and sit down like the Catholic Church and kneel and all that, but they did things that I didn't know about. And right in the middle of that, everybody stands up and starts talking together. And I wasn't used to that. And, and I, I didn't know exactly what to think. But they get up and they all spoke these words. And after a while, I began to understand. In every Sunday, in the liturgy of that church, they spoke the Apostles' Creed. And I think it's very important for as a foundational statement of faith uh, for us to hear that if you haven't heard it before we're going to walk through this right now i want just you can you don't have to stand up i just want you to say it with me and and we'll, we'll go slowly through it if you've never heard it before this is foundational to god's church uh, it was written in the early early years of the church and it was a statement of faith about what the church at that time said this is what we believe and it stands true yet to this day so uh, I'm going to read it. You can either read me or you can sit there and stare at me, whichever you want to do. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell the third day he arose again from the dead he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of god the father almighty from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead i believe in the holy spirit the holy catholic church the communion of saints the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body and life everlasting amen now that that is a lot in a short statement and over the next few weeks we're going to unpack this a little bit because it is truth it's something we all need to be able to understand our belief in god first and foremost allows us to live a life filled with the good gifts that he's given us to enjoy and and yet the world around us in many ways despairs and it's sad it breaks my heart to see people hurting and not knowing god and such a joy i was able to participate in a funeral yesterday and in which i saw the this generations of faith brought down from a great 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 grandfather all the way down through his great great grandchildren and and i marvel at that but then i walk sometimes into services and look and hear about people who have no idea who god is and what jesus christ has done for them and about their relationship with god and how that could be rectified in their life and bring peace and joy and hope and truth into their life and so I want to be sure that we start with the most basic statement here. I believe in God the Father. Stop. There's a second part of that line, but we need to stop right there. 
I believe in God the Father. This is the most basic statement of faith that any person can make. If you have decided that you don't believe in God, then the rest of it doesn't matter, does it? It just starts and ends right there. Last week, we talked about the authenticity of God's Word, and we shared that factual data about its veracity, its truthfulness, its believability. And at the end of that, we talked then about how important it is to combine that fact with faith. Today, I will say that the entirety of your faith journey rises and falls on whether or not you believe in God the Father. The world that we live in rebels against the things of our faith, and that all begins with denying God. And we Christians many times make the mistake of, of trying to explain our God in terms we cannot attain. Because how can the finite mind truly comprehend an infinite God? We simply believe or we do not. Science has been trying to explain away creation since the beginning of man. It will not happen. Well, there's a lot of facts out there. There's a lot of information, and it's fascinating to read and to understand, and I, I love reading and all that and trying to understand. It, it tickles my mind. But if, if we go to the Word of God, we quickly learn that we're never going to get it all. And so if you think that you're falling short because you don't understand everything there is to know about God, well, join the club. There's not one of us that know it and understand it all. But the desire of a disciple is to learn. The desire of a disciple is to understand. The desire of a disciple is to be able to share with others the reasons for the faith and the belief that they have. So I, I go back to the Bible and this morning. If you want to take time, turn, turn to Job chapter 38. Uh, I, this is one of my, I love chapter 38 and 39 of Job because it's God talking. And it's God speaking. And he, and he speaks here after Job has been through many trials in his life. He's lost his, his children. His, they've died. He's lost his livestock, his cattle, his, all, everything, every possession that he had. As a matter of fact, the only thing that Job has left is a wife who's very upset about everything that's happened and some friends that believe he's done something terribly wrong to be in the boat that he's in. And, he, and, and, and towards the end of the book of Job, Job complains to God. He, he utters some words and questions God a little bit. And here's the answer, and it's not what you might expect. God does not come back and say, hey, Job, listen, buddy, I'm, I, just need, I want you to understand my heart for you. I, I want you to understand that I love you, and, and I'm going to pat you a little behind and tell you to get... No! That is not what God does. God says in the beginning of the chapter, brace yourself, bud. I'm fixing to talk to you right now. Listen to me just a moment. And he says, who is this? who obscures my counsel with ignorant words. Get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will inform me. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? What supports its foundations? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and total darkness its blanket, when I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place, when I declared, you may come this far, but no farther. Your proud waves stop here. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning or assigned the dawn its place so it may seize the edges of the earth and shake the wicked out of it? The earth is changed as clay is by a seal. Its hills stand out like the folds of a garment. Light is withheld from the wicked, and the arm raised in violence is broken. Have you traveled to the sources of the sea or walked in the depths of the oceans? Have the gates of hell been revealed to you? 
Have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the extent of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the road to the home of light? Do you know where darkness lives so that you can lead it back to its borders? Are you familiar with the paths to its home? Don't you know? You were already born. You have lived so long. Have you entered the place where snow is stored? Or have you seen the storehouses of hail, which I hold in reserve for times of trouble for the day of warfare and battle? What road leads to the place where light is dispersed? Where is the source of the east wind that spreads across the earth? Who cuts a channel for the flooding rain or clears the way for lightning to bring rain on an uninhabited land, on a desert with no human life, to satisfy the parched wasteland and cause the grass to sprout? Does the rain have a father? Who fathered the drops of dew? Whose womb did the ice come from? Who gave birth to the frost of heaven when water becomes as hard as stone and the surface of the watery depths is frozen? Can you fasten the chains of Pallades or loosen the belt of Orion? Can you bring out the constellations in their season and lead the bear and her cubs? Do you know the laws of heaven? Can you oppose its authority on earth? Can you command the clouds so the flood of water covers you? Can you send out lightning bolts? And they go. Do they report to you and say, here we are? Who put wisdom in the heart or gave the mind understanding? Who has the wisdom to number the clouds? Or who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the dust hardens like cast metal and the clods of dirt stick together? Can you hunt prey for a lioness or satisfy the appetite of young lions when they crouch in their dens and lie in wait within their lairs? Who provides the raven's food when its young cry out to God and wonder about for the lack of food? Now in chapter 39, God goes on and he talks all about the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, everything else that he's, he's created there. And he's asking us as man, Do, can you understand all of this? And I would dare say this morning, unless someone in here is really smarter than I am, we don't understand. So I choose to believe in God who asked these questions and i believe in god the father creator of the heaven and the earth what difference then does it make if you believe the doctrine of creation in your life if you believe whether or not god created or if you believe there was just a big bang uh, or if you believe that somehow uh, in an accident of the cosmos one day and eternity past all of a sudden the right the absolute right structure of all of those atoms and all of those neutrons and protons and all that came together bam and there we were, heaven and earth, and all of life, and all of the Creator. Some people absolutely believe that. What difference does it make? Uh, Mark Driscoll and Gary Bashirs in a book that they wrote on doctrine, said the Bible teaches that creation in general, and human life in particular, was made by God, belong to God, exist for God, are restless apart from God, and will return to God. If you don't believe in the doctrine of creation, you're likely to believe that you came from no one, you're on the earth for nothing, and when you die, you go nowhere. Oh, joy. I'm excited about that. Are y'all? The atheist philosopher Bertrand Russell summarized that worldview saying, only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built. Listen to that. Only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair can the soul's habitation henceforth be safe, safely built. Really? 
Really, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen? I have a future. I have a home. And this ain't it because I believe in God. And I believe in all the rest of the things that God has done for you and for me. I believe that God is and that God created. Do I understand all of the time everything about my God? No, I don't. Do I question it sometimes like Job, the things that have happened in my own life? Yes, I do. I will tell you, 22 years ago, uh, my, our family became a very difficult journey. It's interesting because it was right about the time that we started Crossroad Church. That's, that's, that's 2002. I'm just thinking about that this morning. Uh, that's an in, interesting coincidence. Um, it this was a journey that challenged all of our faith. My brother-in-law brother was paralyzed in a car accident. Uh, all of us agonized over that. And it was a distinctive challenge for me as a member of the family and also then a pastor uh, to try and answer questions to my own family about why God would allow this. Uh, and I, when I didn't understand myself what was happening. And during that next decade, during those next 10 years, my father-in-law developed prostate cancer and the early prognosis was really bad. My wife gave a kidney to a dear friend and, and didn't even make it out of the operating room without the doctors coming and telling me that she had a severe ovarian disease. My mother came up to visit me up here and had a stroke and spent three months at Wesley Rehab and, and uh, had to go back home and, and without the good use of a leg. My father was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And I have to say there was moments through all of that when I was asking God to show himself, to help me in my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. See, you, you've got to get past this notion that as a, as a Christ follower, as a believer in God Almighty, that, you, that you're not going to have doubts. We are what? Human. We are going to have doubts. We are going to have fears. It's how we handle those believing in God Almighty. First and foremost, there's where we find peace. There's where, that's the only place where we can find peace. And, and indeed, it is a peace that the, the Word of God says passes all understanding. Well, during that time, towards the end of that 10 years, all this is going on in my household and everything. And, uh, Robin and I are out in Colorado in the mountains, and uh, I'm, I'm, we, we, we took a hike and went up to a place they call Lover's Leap. And not because I was ready to jump, but I, you know, we were just curious to see kind of what was there. And I could look out and see far down into the canyon in front of me and the mountains on the side, the tallest mountains around, and the sky was lit up that evening with impossible colors to describe, magnificent textures, and there was no way I could believe that was an accident as I looked at it. I just stared at that beyond awe in my own mind and knew that that was not some uh, random circumstance. My, my brother-in-law's accident was a random circumstance. Uh, the issues of health that strike any family you know that's because we live in a fallen world it's not because we we want it it's not because of some freaky thing it's because the fall of man introduced into our world all of those things that god never wanted us to experience in the first place but he says one day we won't experience that again if we believe in him we'll be home with him and things will be perfect again chuck colson in his book called the faith said anyone looking at the majesty of the mountains or the vastness of the churning seas or the quiet beauty of a sunset has to wonder about the origins of what they see and question, as we all do, where we come from. Now, let me just tell you, it's, it's easy to look back now, 22 years later. I can look back, and I will tell you this. Doug, my brother-in-law, he sits at the banquet table in heaven today with my, my God. My father-in-law, Daryl, 
He's right there beside him, enjoying life as I can only imagine. My daddy is sitting right there in heaven. My wife is healthy. And Margot Corbin up there in the sound booth tomorrow, tomorrow will celebrate 17 years of new life because she got that kidney that Robin gave her, and she's just as ornery as she ever was. <laughs> right? Now, there's not, there wasn't a big amen on that, but I mean, I understand. <laughs> don't, don't turn me off, Margot, if you're up there. All right, so... Um, honestly, you can't see. That's our problem. We have limited, finite vision. We don't know the future. We don't know what life holds for us. And in the midst of those terrible, difficult circumstances that sometimes we walk through, our doubts and our fears can just overwhelm us. And that's when we go to the rock. That's when we go back to our God and say, I, first and foremost, I believe in God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and he is my God. And he tells me that I am his child. And I can live my faith based in the hope and the peace and the joy and the love that I know he sends my way. Now, there are those that don't believe that God is the creator. There's three basic major ideas, I guess, regarding the universe's origin. One is that we are the result of a godless material universe. And that argument says that uh, the material universe is the sum and substance of all that exists and that it either has always existed or it came into existence without a cause Therefore, natural explanations suffice to answer all questions about the nature and origin of the universe and life. Well, if all those answers are there and they suffice, I ain't read them yet. I haven't, you know, there's a lot of theory. There's a lot of theory out there about all of it. Materialists who accept that the universe has, has an absolute beginning that way, they believe in that Big Bang theory, uh, and they're stuck with pulling a rabbit out of a hat uh, when they, when they say that everything came from absolute nothingness. In other words, that, that everything that has happened has happened by chance, and that chance combination of circumstance all came together and produced the first living cell. Whoop. Material theory leaps from the non-existence to intelligible existence, to information-based life, on the basis literally of nothing. I don't buy that, but people do. The second one is that God is an intelligence presence, an intelligent presence in all things, a universal mind. In other words, some try to cope with creation by contending that life's origin is based in the reason of a universal mind. The Greek philosophers called this the logos. Now, don't get we call this the logos, but the Greek philosophers called this and defined it as the logos, an ultimate creative reason as the source of all things. Believers in a universal mind usually see their God and their universe as synonymous and assume an attitude of reverence towards all creation. My daddy, bless his heart, would talk here about the tree huggers. All right? And if you're an environmentalist, don't confuse what I'm saying. But if you believe that the trees have uh, an existence inside of them, some life form emanating from them that's like you, that's what I'm talking about. And there are you know, universalists that way that believe that that's absolute truth. Uh, you know, you have environmental groups and others that will uh, race to the mountains to converge uh, and have a an harmonic being with uh, all, of, all, all of the God's creation, whether it's the birds, the bees, the trees, the leaves, whatever it might be. Um, even Einstein, quite frankly, it's reported, thought that human beings were no more responsible for their own actions than a chicken laying an egg. It was just all chance, all circumstance. And finally, there is a third theory, and that is the one of a personal God. Greek philosophers, like I said, embraced the logos, the ultimate creative reasoning that they had for everything. But the Gospel of John applies logos to Christ, to Jesus Christ. And he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was the Word. 
this is the logos the mind of christ and we we look at creation uh, as an indicator of god's character the beauty of the world gives us a primary clue you, you even the the scripture tells us that the holy spirit will create that in you that that need to understand as you look at what god has created psalm 19 1 through 6 says the heavens declare the glory of god the skies proclaim the work of his hands day after day they pour forth speech night after night they display knowledge there's no speech or language where their voice is not heard their voice goes out into all the earth their words to the ends of the world in the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion like a champion rejoicing to run his course it rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other nothing is hidden from god's heat and, and you know we talked last week about the veracity of the bible and that's one of the things this the circular nature the sphere of the earth is written about all the way back in in in, in the early days and in the psalmist writings before it was ever proven by man that the earth was round remember there was boats sailing out there thinking that they're going to fall off the end because it was flat right so it was in the bible long before that so the choice that we make about what we're going to believe determines everything i believe about how we will live that choice determines the bible in general and the book of genesis in particular said driscoll and Bashirs, was not written with the intention of being a scientific textbook rather is a theological narrative to reveal the god of creation which means its emphasis is on God and his relationship with humanity, not with creation. But he still is God the Father, creator of heaven. Even Galileo said the Holy Ghost intended to teach us how to go to heaven, not how the heavens go. I like that. How to go to heaven, not how the heavens go. Another one said Genesis is not an exhaustive treatment of early history but rather a theologically selective telling of history that focuses on God and mankind while emitting, omitting such things as the creation of angels or the fall of Satan and demons. It just mentions it. The creation account in the Word of God goes to great lengths to make it clear, to make it clear to us that the God who created everything in the first verse is the same God who prepared the land for humans to dwell in in the remainder of Genesis. The God of creation is also our God of covenant, the God who created. So if I believe in God the Father, that's what I'm saying. If you can start by saying, I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth, all of the rest of it. If I believe in God and he's the creator of heaven and earth and I believe in his word, then I understand quickly, wait a minute, he's telling me that I was born into this world separated from him with an old sin nature. Well, why is that? Well, now I gotta read about Adam. Oh, the fall of man. What you, that's his fault, not my fault. Oh, why not? Well, that's the way that it is that's the way that it is you can argue with it all you want but you can set that little baby down there and pretty quick they'll be fighting over the toy because we have a carnal nature in us that wants and desires and envies and is jealous and all of those things then if i can believe that god created me then i can believe that i have a need to be reunited to him and i can't do that on my own because he tells me i'm not worthy so now i can start talking about jesus the son in the next line because i can come back and believe in god the father the creator of heaven who loved me enough that scripture tells me he sent his son to die for me in isaiah 55 it says as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater so is my word that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty but will accomplish the desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. If you believe in God, you believe in his word. If you believe in his word and you read his word, then God's going to speak to your heart 
And the life that you live will be the kind of life that brings joy to him. Who is our God? Our God is Trinitarian, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Our God is eternal, the beginning and the end. Was, is, and forevermore shall be. Amen? Our God is living. He is independent. He is transcendent. Our God is eminent. He is personal. He is powerful. He is beautiful. He is holy. He is prophetic. He is gracious. And he is a sovereign king. Amen? Our God is people. Our God is this morning. We believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. Now, the atheist Richard Dawkins, well known, explains that belief in God is irrational. He says any God capable of designing a universe carefully tuned to lead to our evolution must be a supremely complex and improbable entity that needs an even bigger explanation than the one he is supposed to provide thus he's ruled out by the laws of probability so Dawkins is saying God isn't God because he's beyond our comprehension but even scripture tells us that God can't be comprehended what, what do we read in Isaiah again for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the lord as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts as the rain and the snow come down from heaven that we just read that but listen to that my thoughts are not your thoughts why do we think we have we are going to be able to understand everything about god i don't understand anything about god but i know who he is and i fall on my knees and i say lord give me strength and God says, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness through your knowledge of the promises that are included in this word. God always has an answer for us. There's oftentimes we just don't want it. There's oftentimes that we want something different because of our human natures. Again, what we choose really does matter. If you, God, God's, that belief in God or unbelief in God drives everything else in our lives. Do you know today what you believe? Do you know what you believe about God? And this goes back to my original statement that many Christians in God's church today are not capable of explaining much. And we can say, I believe in God. But people might ask us why. Well, what happens when you believe in God, but you really don't know Him? What happens when you believe in God, but you're still ashamed of your past? What happens when you believe in God, but you're not sure He loves you? When you believe in God, but you don't think He's fair? What happens when you believe in God, but you won't forgive? What happens when you believe in God, but you don't think you're capable of making a change in your life? What happens when you believe in God, but you pursue, you pursue money at any cost? What happens when you believe in God? That question really is when you trust money more than you trust God. What happens when you believe in God, but you aren't willing to share your faith with someone else? And what happens when you believe in God, but you don't, you know, I, I, I love it when I'm talking with someone that I've just met, and, 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 you know, they're a little uncomfortable. You can tell it when you're talking with them. You tell them, well, what do you do? They're like, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. Ooh. <laughs> and everything on them puckers. <laughs> And then they say, well, you know, I, I, I believe, but I don't, I don't believe in organized religion. I don't go to church. If you believe in God, you believe in his church. You believe in the gathering of the faithful who come together and worship. The answer to all of those questions is simple. You miss out. You miss out. 
If you believe in God, but you do not trust Him, if you do not learn all of the promises that He's given to you in His Word, you're losing out because God did everything for His creation. I mean you. But you have to know what He's given to you. Or life is as Bertrand Russell said, built on unyielding despair. How sad it is to consider and think that there are people living in this world that just believe it's ashes to ashes and dust to dust. So they go for the gusto and live every day to the absolute fullest that they can for earthly experiences and human experience. We get to do that because we know that God created it all for us, and so we get to enjoy the blessing. And we, and we are supposed to do that. Please don't misunderstand me this morning. Man, if, if, if you want to go skiing in the mountains this time of year and go out there and look at the beauty of that snow and the powder and go out there and crash into the trees, that's your business. And you know what? Bless you. Love it. Enjoy it. In the summertime, if you've got a boat... And in this town, we love our boats and we love our, we love our travel trailers and you know, our, our RVs, and so we like to get out there and go. Guess what? The same God that I say I believe in, the creator of heaven and the earth, said, I'm giving you everything for you to enjoy this life, but I can't make that my priority in my life. I can't, think, I can't make those things the most important thing. What's the most important thing? I believe in God, the Father, creator of heaven and earth. And, and, and I believe that for all of us, when we commit ourselves to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, that God pours out his blessings on us beyond our wildest imagination. Does that mean that I won't have a brother-in-law that gets paralyzed? Nope. Does that mean my ticker's gonna be perfect the whole time? Nope. But you know what? Eight years ago, they told me I have about five years to live. ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> Isn't that great? God knows the number of the hairs on his head, and he knows the lines in the palm of his hand. And God knows the days that I shall live. And I always love the story of David, little David, that young shepherd boy who had been living out there fighting off the wolves and the bears, guarding the sheep. When all the rest of the nation of Israel is standing up there on the side of the mountain, he picks up five smooth stones and he runs racing down that mountain into the valley of Elah, the valley of blood. And he picks up one of those stones, whoop, 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 bam, and he takes out the giant. Why, did he, why could he do that? Because he says, hey, if I die today, I died. God's taking me home. Otherwise, he knows my days. I'm going down there without fear and I'm fixing to do business. Guess what? Every day. Every day, if you believe in God, you can get up and you can do business. You can get up and live life to the fullest. You can live up and enjoy the blessings, but you can also understand the purpose that you have. And as these next few weeks come to pass, we're going to look next week at Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the next Sunday, Pastor Lyle is coming. He gets one of the best Sundays of all where it says he, he suffered, died, but on the third day, he was rose from the dead and sits again at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's a good Sunday right there, y'all. So I pray that you will make a commitment to yourself right now. Go bring somebody else, y'all. Go bring somebody. This is, how can we, this is good stuff, isn't it? This is, I, I got the best co-writer for sermons in the whole history of God's universe. And it's him. It's his Holy Spirit. So I, 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 want, I beg of you, all right? I can't do it any other way. You be as passionate, I pray, about inviting somebody to be here as I am about giving this word. We'll pack this place out, amen? I don't care if next week's the Super Bowl. We'll get out of here in time to get home, get stuff in the grill, and be ready to go when game time kickoff comes, right? Anyway, I, I, 
I wish I could do it. I wish I just, you know what? I'm, I've been doing this for so long now, and my prayer every Sunday is the same before I walk out here. Lord, let somebody hear. Let somebody hear from you. And it's not my responsibility. I understand that. This is God's work with you, His Holy Spirit speaking to you. But by golly, I feel good about it, and I want you to understand it so that we can live our lives the way that God intends us to live them. I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. Amen. Would you pray with me, Lord? We just thank you for the day. We thank you for all the good gifts and the mercy that you've shown to us, Father. Uh, we, we don't even know the many things that you've done for us and through us. We, we, we know that if we confess our sin, you, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, Lord. But then that next line, to purify us of all unrighteousness, purify us of the things we don't even know about. You're so good, Lord, to us that not only do you forgive us for things that we're confessing to you that we know we've messed up in, we know we've made mistakes, we know we stand before you guilty that way, but you're also forgiving us simply because of our belief, your forgiveness of the stuff that we don't even know that we've done that's been a sin against you. God, how great and wonderful and awesome it is to come into your presence on a Sunday morning with the people of God, to stand before you and raise our voices up in worship for God the Father, Creator, of heaven and earth. We pray this morning for your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.